going to ruin the Disney magic for a second. I'm sorry. Ten toes down, boys. We're in for a good one. <laughs> well said. All right, my friends, it's Social Q&A Live. That's an epically hard to pronounce name. It is. And then dive into your questions around dating. This much is fucking good at social dynamics and relationships. That's like a shot of a dick. Yo, what's good, my friends? It's Adam here. And welcome to the Social Q&A Live audio strip taken directly from the YouTube live streams, which are currently going down each week, Monday mornings, 10 a.m. Australian Central Time. I'd love to have you in the live sesh. These days, they've turned into these full-on classes. You know, we call them podcasts, but they're really classes in which that I throw questions back and forward with the live viewers and we get the personal context of each person in there. And everyone just seems to grow a lot more nowadays because of it. I love it. Uh, Anything on the world of human interactions, what we cover could be dating, relationships, social dynamics, family relationships, business relationships, things going down in high school, uni, anything that touches the world of these human beings, we seem to touch in social Q&A. So head over to the Bowl YouTube channel and I'll catch you guys currently on Monday mornings. Now, if you guys would like to receive a quick sip each week, just a free email right in your inbox, updating you on what went down on social Q&A live this week, the recap, what other videos went out, what other awesome things are going on in the world? What other additions to the resources of wisdom in terms of books, films, docos, anime, quotes, music, all the things that get added to the resource of wisdom? I update you through this email so you never miss out on any of that. And also it's just a way of me staying connected with you guys in between our live sessions together. So go ahead if you are interested. Every Friday, I send it out. It's free. Boldojo.com. Sign it up. By the way, if you feel like you have not received your email on the Friday, just check your promotions folder in Gmail or your junk spam folder if you're using anything else because uh, it's likely in there. Even when I receive my own email, it still gets every day to get put in promotions. Now, for those of you who are looking to dive into some deeper educational content and level up your performance in this life, we can pick up the guided meditation, Eternal Energy, over on boldojo.com, featuring five tracks that will help you to dive deeper into who you are and evolve beyond. All the reviews have said that it's something that they constantly come back to, that it's something that they will work through and that it's more of a course than an actual guided meditation. Many have also said, Adam, why are you not charging what it's worth? Many have said, I was willing to pay $100 for this and it's because I wanted to make it as accessible as possible. So that it's there if you are the type of person who is aware and conscious enough to want to look at yourself for all that you are and improve so got a meditation eternal energy go get you some also send me a review once you're done as well i'd love to hear your feedback now moving up from there if you would like to dive into one-on-one coaching in which that we destroy your limiting beliefs and construct real action plans to help you perform in your life whether it be purpose, physical, mental, or social development, anything that touches the temple. Even if you want to go up to the inner garden and dive into real ideas of your existence, we can go there as well. I often do. However, it's completely customizable to you. We have one-off sessions. You can go to boldoja.com, book a once-off over 30, 45, or 60 mins, just test the waters, and that'll give you a vibe for it. However, if, and what I do recommend, if you're serious about your development, you can dive into the bold coaching memberships in which there are three different tiers silver gold and diamond which offer different levels of benefits that once offs 
definitely do not get, such as priority messaging. If you wish to have access to my private WhatsApp number and get a response from me within 24 hours outside of Australian weekends, you're going to have to be on a membership for that. And that's something that my clients benefit from tremendously and use tremendously. Also, if you want to step up another level of membership and want to get priority bookings, for those of you who don't live in Australia and struggle to get your time slot in, maybe you're two, three weeks out on the waiting list, well then priority bookings are there to ensure that you get your time preferred slot and that you get booked in over lower tier memberships and once-offs. Now, I'll be here all day if I have to describe every benefit of every tier. So if you are interested, just go to boldoja.com. In the products menu, you can find Bold Coaching memberships and you can dive in yourself. If you have any questions, just slide me an email. There are contact email forms on pretty much every page of the website and we can work it out from there if you are truly committed to developing yourself. Moving forward, if you would like to directly support this podcast, you can do so in two ways, either by going to boldojo.com directly. In the Boldojo podcast menu on the homepage, there is a direct donate link that goes straight through the website if you want to use your credit card, for example. However, if you would like to go through PayPal because that's your uh, that's your shit, <laughs> sure, fine. Doesn't bother me. PayPal as well. PayPal.me forward slash A-D-A-M O-O-I. My full name, Adam Ui. You can donate through PayPal directly as well. Either way, whatever you guys do donate to help support the show. Uh, I know a lot of you like to donate live in the live social Q&As. That's also most appreciated. However you want to do it, it just, it all goes to supporting this, this awesome thing we've got going on between you and I. So I thank you for anything that you have donated or will donate in the future. It really does mean the world to me. Thank you very much. Now, of all that being said, Let's finally dive into social Q&A live. Yes, sir. Let's go. Emotionally? Sure, emotionally. <laughs> There's a couple more things. We're in part three here, and now we're going to talk about how to be happy with sex. If we've gone through not only his social skill set at the beginning to understand, and this is going to tie in later, his cold approach experience, his sexual experience, how he's dependent upon alcohol to go meet girls. We unpacked that in part one. Part two has just been unpacking sex and validation itself. Now, this is the final part of the podcast, how to actually be happy with sex. We, I kind of went into a bit of a rant or a bit of a fire session there that would have alluded to some of the answers. I might even have just given away a lot of the answers to this next part of the podcast because I just had to fucking nail it. But we're going to talk about how to be happy with sex here. So let's go back to his uh, message. I can, we're going to piece out another piece of his quote. He says to me, every time I sit down and think about this, I find myself going back to the same thought in quotes. If I was to never be with a woman again, will I be happy? And the answer has been no. I'm still early on in my journey and maybe this, maybe this feeling would change, but for now, this is how I feel. So this is, I'm not even going to say whether I think you guys are going to get this answer right or not. It's not a difficult question, but just think about that. Think about the one particular part of that quote, which is that, he says, if I was to never be with a woman again, will I be happy? He asks himself this. And he says, the answer is always no. If I was never to be with a woman again, would I be happy? And he says no. With this in mind, next class question. With his mindset of never being happy if I was never with a woman again, what will he actually never be happy with? The structure of this question is almost identical to the previous question, which a lot of you guys really messed. Well, no one got correct. No one got correct. So hopefully now that you saw the answer to the previous one, hopefully you can start to deal with this question a little bit better. 
He says that if I was, if I just asked myself, if I was never to be with a woman again, so not just in presence as well, but sexually, I'm sure he means that as well. If I was never to sexually be connected with a woman again, would I be happy? His answer is no. My question is, with that mindset, what is it that he actually would never be happy with? It's not a, now it feels like I've already given you the answer. I feel like you guys have already given the answer. However, I'll say this. There are levels to this answer, just like the previous one. There's a general low-hanging fruit answer that pretty much anyone could get off the bat if you've been paying attention to this podcast. But there's this level, the top grade answer to this question exists on two levels. There's a very general answer underneath, but there's one level that goes above it that gives me two elements. The actual answer or the correct answer, the best answer, I should say, to this question has multiple levels, multiple elements, multiple perspectives. And when I look more and more at this question, with his mindset, never being happy, if I'll never be a woman again, what will he actually never be happy with? I realize I actually gave you the answer in my rant that I went on before. So this shouldn't take too long. <laughs> this shouldn't take too long at all. I basically gave you the answer before, so hopefully I just, I mean, I had to because if you guys aren't getting it, it's like I have to go, I have to go, I have to run with it. So this question is kind of like a summary question, I guess, in a way. But but you could elevate, someone could surprise me and elevate to the 100,000 zenny level and give me both elements. There's a low-hanging fruit, one element, but there's two elements about what he'll actually never be happy with. That would be the best. Okay. So, first answer to this comes from Ole, saying in capitals, himself. He will never actually be happy with himself, is what Ole says, himself in capitals. So, Ole, you're definitely correct. You nail it on the general low-hanging fruit. He will actually never be happy with himself. 100% correct. You would have to explain why, though. So, just saying himself is not nearly enough, and it's certainly not the 100,000 any level answer. You need to give me two elements to get that but you definitely hit the right general low-hanging fruit, but you haven't explained it. So you could be wrong. You could be right based on your explanation. So yeah, neither here nor there, I guess. Distracon goes on to say, he'll never be happy with his state of mind because he's still doing that thing where he's looking outside himself for happiness. He probably doesn't even know he's still doing it because he's so used to it. It's a bit clunky, Distracon, but you're correct. So Distracon is, Distracon, your explanation is what I wanted from Ole. Ole didn't go into it. You went into it. So you definitely get correct answer there. You're definitely correct. He'll never be happy with his state of mind, aka himself, for sure. Because he's, and, But when you say, because he's still doing that thing where he's looking outside himself for happiness, that's what I meant when I said I gave you the answer before. That's why I shouldn't have taken too long. So you're, def, you're following along. You're definitely tuned in. That's the low hanging fruit. That's... It's kind of already being said. I like, but I needed someone to say it. I just needed you to finish that with the next level, because it's not just himself that he's not going to be happy with. Remember the question when he says that. If I say to myself, "If I was never to be with a woman again, would I be happy?" and he answers, "No, no, I couldn't be happy never seeing a woman again." I question with that mindset. What is it he will actually never be happy with? 
We've now got the first answer, the first level of the answer. Strachan says he'll never be happy with his state of mind himself because he's still doing that thing where he's looking outside himself for happiness. We understand that now. Now I need someone to come in with a big ticket. I need someone to come and give me the real answer that has not been said yet. And this is what's going to ride us fucking home if someone can get this. See, Cameron comes in saying he would never be happy even... He would never be happy even with a woman because he is basically committing to not self-generating his own happiness. Well done, Cam. Well done. That's what I was looking for. If only Cameron and Distrackod could have put their answer together, I would have given 100,000 zeddy. Cameron needed Distrackons and Distrackon needed Camerons. You guys, Distrackon gave me level two, Distrackon gave me level one. Cameron gave me level two, Distrackon gave me level one. There we go. But if you put them together, X, as you're listening to this podcast, as I'm talking to you directly here and helping the live uh, class students as well, you ask yourself a really good question. It's a great question. Would I ever be happy if I was to never see a woman again, if I was never to be sexually with a woman again and connected with her again in that intimate space, would I be happy? And your answer instinctively is no. It's not a bad answer. It's not. A, it's a great question. It's not a bad answer. It's a very logical answer. Most guys, if I went out on the street, ask 100 guys, I might even, maybe I should go film that. Huh? Maybe I should go film that video after the Hugging Strangers Blindfolded, which will be coming out this week on the Eternal Energy channel. Maybe I will go out and ask 100 guys the same question that you've asked yourself. If you were to never sexually be a woman again, would you be happy? And your answer was no. However, that's incorrect. It's correct from an egoic standpoint, but it's incorrect from a true nature of reality standpoint. Because my question to that, to your answer and to that question is, with your mindset, of that I will never be happy if I don't get to see a woman again and get to be sexually with her. What is it you're actually never going to be happy with? A couple of the class students did their best. No one hit it in one tight package, but I put in one tight package for you. You will neither ever be happy with yourself nor a woman. We gave you the answer before. The reason why you can't be happy with yourself is because you can't generate your own happiness internally. You will never be happy with yourself if you can't be happy within yourself. You will never be happy with anything outside of yourself if you can't be happy within yourself. The events, things, people, circumstances outside of you only provide stimulus through which that you can reflect happiness back to them. Whether it's a result of happiness reflected because of what they're doing or happiness reflected because of I dictate that, I determine that, that was always generating source within me. That's what we're looking for. That's, what I'm, that's where you need to be. We get that. That's why you won't be happy with yourself. That's what you're actually not going to be happy with. It's not that it's not that you can't be happy without ever seeing a woman again. It's with your current mindset. It's that very mindset that if I was never to be sexual with a woman again, I just can't be happy. It's that mindset that will forever keep you not happy within yourself. But that's just you. That's not the second level that I wanted someone to hit, which Cameron did hit, but we'll go into a little bit deeper. You will also never be happy with a woman. Something that we tagged into a little before, we'll flesh it out a little bit more. If you're not happy within yourself, and if you have a mindset of that, if I'm never to be with a woman again, and I can't, that means I can't be happy, then you also will never be happy when you're actually with a woman. And I said this before as I was walking on the beach, and I, when I went into that fire rant before, it is a prerequisite for you to be happy within yourself in order to be happy without yourself. It is a prerequisite for a man to be happy without sex 
in order to be happy with sex. If you can't be happy without it, you cannot be happy with it. Why? Because you'll always be chasing. You'll always be seeking more. You'll always be looking to make more of it, look more into it than it actually is. And you'll place undue pressure. You'll place undue attachment. You'll push the person away. You'll do things in a way in which that that person won't want to be with you because they can sense that, they can feel that. She might not consciously be able to dictate everything I just said, but she will certainly subconsciously read the signal from you that, well, he's not happy with it himself. So why would I want to be with this guy? Why would I want to stay with this guy for any meaningful period of time? You talked to me in your story about how you have a lack of meaningful relationships. This is a huge reason why. Is a huge reason why. You talked to me about this one girl that you had one meaningful relationship with that was only a few months, which in the grand general scape of meaningful, I would say it's very low on the scale of meaningful, but in terms of your life story, it is meaningful because it's the longest one you've had. It's just relative to you. And the why you can't stop thinking about her and why she's fucking with your mind or why you allow her to fuck with your mind, you're not happy within yourself. You can't be happy with her. <sighs> okay. Okay, is there anyone else that... Came on some good stuff after that in the chat. Chaco says, oh, okay. Plus the fact that he's even asking himself if he's not going to get with a chick, like right off the bat, what's his assumption? True, true. All that comes in saying he'll be more miserable with a woman because there's the treat of her leaving. Threat, I think he means. All that says he'll be more miserable with a woman because there's the threat of her leaving. Yeah. When, you're a go- when your ego gets attached to an external source of happiness, Right, there's always going to be the fear of when that happiness gets taken away, which leads to what? The void. The vacuum effect, the void of feeling that emptiness, the egoic death. The egoic death doesn't have to be there, though, if you can self-generate internal happiness. Independent of the things outside of you. Okay, let's move on. Is there one more question here? No, final instructions. So, my friends, we've come to the end of... We've come to the final piece. Come to the final piece here. Unpacking exit situation. Let's let's get the recap. What have we been through? We started off by diving into something that didn't really seem super relevant or it didn't seem like directly, why would Adam ask this question to him first? Because his initial question just had to do with, can you be happy without sex? Well, that's not what his question was, but his specific question if I was to never be a woman again, will I be happy? The answer is no. I feel like without the validation from women, sex, or the feeling we get from having with them, I'll never be content. It feels like there will always be a missing piece in my life. That's his exact words. Now, I wanted to Mr. Miyagi, you guys. I'm glad I haven't forgotten this. At the beginning of the podcast, I grilled you on the social skill set about what he's using to support his social interactions. We went on the alcohol. We went on the nature of the alcohol being external. Can you guys now see why I start to feel why we went into that first? Now that we've been through the entire story and I questioned and quizzed you guys on that, does that start to make a little more sense to you? If he is dependent upon alcohol and liquid courage to be able to get into social interactions at night and just in general, right, in order to get sexually connected with women in that space, and then now you start to look at all his mindsets around externally dependent on happiness, external generation and source of happiness. It's one and the same. This is why I've always said that your, temp- your temple is not separate. The aspects of your temple, purpose, physical, mental, and social development are not separate. If you have one issue in your life, it affects all the others. The way you do anything is the way you do everything. 
And so it may have at first, when we started this podcast, seemed a little off the mark to start by questioning you guys and grilling him on his social competence about how competent he was at night, how competent he was in social interactions in general, and to get dive into the nitty gritty of why he's using alcohol to meet women. But now it should make a lot of sense because it's the way he does anything is the way he does everything. The way he goes out to meet girls is indicative and extremely reflective of the way he perceives validation from sex and women in general. It's one in the same. They're both of the same nature. They are both externally dependent. They are both ephemeral and illusory. They are both egoically standpointed and life-supported by validation from outside themselves. They both lack self-control. They both lack self-responsibility. Taking control of oneself, managing oneself, facing the inadequacy of yourself. Both, both elements from the micro to the macro. You put it together, it's all one story. It all makes sense. There's no... There's no incongruence. It's completely congruent that the way he goes out and meets girls is exactly the way that he perceives women and sex in general. It wouldn't, it would make no sense to me. It would be the opposite if he had said that, oh yeah, okay, so I'm doing hardcore just every like five days, five to seven days of the week, meeting at least five to 10 different girls every single day out in the day, sober, but then also at night, three, seven, three to three to four different sessions, five to six hours at a time completely sober, just grinding 50 to 100 interactions each night and I'm just fucking grinding through it and I'm going through all the pain and I'm fucking... So that's a completely different mindset. If he was to give us that story and then went and said, but also, Adam, but also I'm feeling that I can't be happy without women and I need the sex and the validation to be happy. It'd be like, what? How could you... How could someone go through all that pain and all that journey of self-cultivation and self-growth and simultaneously hold the mindset that I need women to make me? I need women to make me happy. I need women to provide me with a source of validation with their sexual connection. You see how it just doesn't make sense. The way you act and the way you think are always in alignment. They're always going to be in alignment. The fact that he doesn't have deep social practice, the fact that he doesn't have deep self-control and self-responsibility for his social dynamics and for his social practice, it makes sense because of his mindset towards sex and validation. Now, if we could, now, so now the next question is going to be, so which piece do you change then? Because this is the part of the podcast now where you guys, we're done with the questions of you guys. You guys have been, you guys have been great. There's only one question you're goofed on, but for the other four or five questions, you guys did very well on. Now is when we come to final instruction, because like I said, this is not a hypothetical story. This is someone who's reached out to me for guidance. And so I always finish with final instruction which is where I turn the noise down and we just get real one-to-one with him, the final instruction, what he needs to do to improve his life, improve who he is, improve his situation. The question X that you're probably thinking right now is, which piece do I change? Do I change the mindset or do I change the actions? What's going to produce the greatest return on my investment? Do I just need to go out and do what you just said? Just go out and have deep social practice sober, going out in the day, going out in the night, getting in between if you're in the day, five to 10 approaches every single day for 30 days in a row, 30-day challenge, but then also action blocks after that for on and off for four weeks interspersed with two weeks in break in between. And then using the three keys, the three keys that any unconsciously incompetent person at cold approach needs to use, which is relentless action, accurate feedback, and sound guidance. If I combine all those three things, then is that all I need to do? And then that will somehow fix my mentality towards validation around sex with women and how I can't internally generate my own happiness. 
Or do we forget about the social D practice and we just go to town on the internal introspection? Just sit in your room, just go into the meditations, unpin, unpin all of the limiting beliefs, all of the paper walls, the paper walls you've constructed in your mind around what it means to get validation from women and the sex from them. And that how actually I'm realizing that Maybe I'm putting too much external dependence on them being my source of happiness. Maybe that was always just an illusion. Maybe that because if it's extremely ephemeral and psychologically destructive nature, it's not healthy. And that I'll always be subject to extreme highs and extreme lows emotionally. And I'll never be happy because of that. And I'll never be happy with a woman because of that. Because I cannot be happy within myself. That means I cannot be happy with a woman. So in the end, it's an exercise in futility. It's an exercise in futility to go out and try to meet more women if my mindset around them is not aligned and correct. The answer is both. The answer is that you not only need to swing the hammer, but to select the correct hammer. Not only to swing the hammer, correctly select the hammer, but also learn what is the right way to approach this hammer. You can choose the right hammer. You can choose the right hammer, which is the exercise of deep social practice, either in the day or the night, cold human interactions. By far, bar none, the greatest way to realize how inadequate you are. In all aspects of life, there is no other activity that will show you how inadequate you are on such a deep level. Martial arts, solo travel, these things are almost as good. Almost, they show you your inadequacies in so many ways, but not in such a full 360. They give you the illumination of who you are and your inadequacies in very specific areas. They show you your breaking points physically, mentally. They show you where you're going to give up. They show you your fear. They show you a lot of things, this martial arts and solo travel. But cold social practice, cold social dynamics, going out and meeting cold strangers in the day or the night transcends all of them. It's the why that, why, why do you think I would X? Why do you think I've spent the last 10 plus years not only doing it myself, but coaching others to do it and helping others through the journey of swinging that particular hammer? If I didn't think that cold social human interaction was the number one way for a human being to understand themselves, I wouldn't do it. Please understand that. <laughs> Here we go. We, you don't go out and meet cold strangers because of what you're going to get from them. It's because of who you become. It's because of the revelation of self-inadequacy, of how much you suck, of how much you suck at conveying intent, of how when you knew that you had direct intent for this person, you didn't tell them though, you backed down, you went, in, you went indirect and you just fapped off about something that didn't even really matter. When you knew that you needed to progress the interaction, but you weren't able to, when you knew you needed to strong, hold a strong frame, when you knew that she presented you with some fire, with some flame and she was testing you and you broke because your frame, frame broke because you're not used to being that, especially in the guise of, or the situation of when there's an attractive woman in front of you, you get to see your breaking points. It's the pressure. It's the pressure, but it's not just the pressure in weight. It's the encompassment. It's the encompassment of pressure. It's that the pressure hits you from all sides when you are in a cold interaction. Nothing can be hid. You can't hide your inadequacy when you're in front of a cold stranger. You are getting judged to the highest degree, to the highest level at all moments. Everything you say, everything you do is a new thing to them. They've never met you before. I've never seen you before. And so if anything in your 50 is off, intent, eye contact, vocal projection, body language, vibe, 
anything in your 50 is off, they'll feel it and they'll reciprocate. They'll let you know. And that is the role of a feminine mirror to reflect exactly what you're coming back at with you. Whatever you come at her with comes straight back to you. You come at her with less than optimal intent, less than strong masculine energy. She'll reflect that straight back to you in the form of, I don't approve. All right, I'm going to go now. In which that I'm turning off here. My energy's cooling off. Yep, not for you. That's polite. In the night, it can be even less polite. All right, that's me being polite about it. If there's something off with your eyes, there's something off with your body, if there's something off with the way that you lead, if you're not able to go through open qualification investment clothes and to carry an interaction from start to end and to do it in a way that's direct, congruent, authentic, covering with empathy, you will find out. And there's only one way to find all of that out. And that is for you to go up and swing the hammer of cold social dynamics without the influence of alcohol, which is what is so important for your particular story because you're saying that the only time you're doing, in your words, cold approach, is when you're under the influence of alcohol, which is not even cold approach. Cold approach is when you are in full self-control. It's full manual. It's not automatic. There's no automatic. You have to be in full self-control. So that's the, So yes, that's the hammer you need to swing. That's why I went into such a deep micros on it. That's the hammer you need to swing. And as I do with my clients, we do 30-day challenges. We do four-week four action blocks. We do target. We target specific sticking points. We do infill breakdowns. We do all these things because that's what I refer to in the trifecta of going through the journey of social dynamics. Relentless action, accurate feedback, sound guidance. If you miss one of them, you're shit out of luck. You need to put all three together. Relentless action is not enough. You can't just go out now, X, and say that, all right, here we go. 30-day challenge, going to meet a minimum of 10 people every single day in the day, but then also going to go out at night three times a week and might meet anywhere between 50 to 100 people, all right? Fuck yeah, relentless action. Oh, but forget about the accurate feedback and the sound guidance. I'm not going to audio record any of my interactions. I'm not going to reach out to someone who's much further down the journey to help me interpret that feedback and stimulus and data. I'm just going to do the thing and hope it works out. X, if you're an absolute natural, if you're a seven or above on the scale of zero to 10, 10 being an absolute natural, zero being the hard case of all hard cases, five being the average Jeffrey in the middle. If you are a seven and above, you can get away with just relentless action and you'll probably be okay in terms of just learning social dynamics. If you are anything less than a natural, you cannot give up accurate feedback or sound guidance. You need to audio record all your interactions, break them down, positives, improvements. What was good about that? What would I improve next time? Every interaction, repeat, go out the next day, work on the ammunition from yesterday. Sound guidance, at whatever frequency based on where you are on your journey, you need to be able to reflect whatever that data was, not just based on your own subjective mind, because how do you know what's positive? How do you know what needs to be improved? You can't do it. You need to reach out to someone. It doesn't even have to be me, X. Just go to someone who has sound guidance, someone that has years and years of experience that has been through this, that has not only taught it in person around the world in different countries, but has lived and breathed it, that has transformed him or herself through it. That's sound guidance. You put relentless action, accurate feedback, sound guidance together. That's the hammer to swing through cold social dynamics. Why? Because it shows you all of your inadequacy, all of who you are with a full 360 pressure. Pressure from all sides. You get to know who you are. Give me anyone. Give me a 45-year-old woman. Give me a 35-year-old office worker male. Give me a high school student. Give me an old lady. Give me a fisherman. Give me anyone. Give them to me for a day and I will take them out and I say, we're going to meet 30 random cold human interactions today. 30 random cold human beings today. We will get to know who they are. You will see all of them. You will see where they break. You will see where they shine. You will see how they interpret feedback. You will see how they respond in the dance between masculine and feminine energy. Do they lead? Do they follow? Do they apply the pressure? Do they read? Can they breathe? Can they see there and sit in the pocket with them? 
Can they express authentically? Can they not back down their intent? Are they going to be the person there when that, that person shows a little uncomfortability? Slow it down. Read the person in front of me. You see everything. It doesn't matter who you are, whether it's sexually polarized or not. That's what cold human interaction is. It's the number one pressure. Number one. That's why it's the hammer for you to swing. Absolutely. However, like I said before, X, it's not enough just to select the right hammer. That's the right hammer though. That is the right hammer for anyone and everyone at all times, at any time in your life. Cold human interaction is always the right hammer. However, how to swing that hammer, best practice for swinging that hammer, and also, more importantly for you, why you're swinging that hammer is going to be this. That's the flip. That's the mindset shift. Are you only going to swing that hammer because you want more sex and validation? Because you, that, to the point of this podcast, can you be happy about sex? If you're only going to go out and swing that hammer in because you got fucking hyped on what I just said and go, hell yeah, I'm going to get in that because it's going to lead to more sex and more validation from sex, well, then you've missed the point of this podcast. We do not pursue the cold human interaction for everything that I just said so that, that we can have sex with more people. So that, that purely for the sake of that, so that we can have sex with more people and get validated by more women to have more sex or if you're a woman, listen to this by more men. I know X, you're a man. We'll keep it on you. The point is not who you're getting or what you're getting from them, what you can transact and get a receive from at the end. The point is of who you become through it. You got hyped on everything I just said, I'm sure, about what it means to actually swing the hammer correctly of social dynamics. It's hype when I'm saying it. It's fucking painful. It is painful as fuck when you are in the moment to have to deal with your own inadequacies, not only in the moment, but when you come home and realize how much of a piece of shit you are and how terrible you are at social dynamics and then realize and then take all of that and then go, but I'll do it again, but I'll do it again. I'll go out tomorrow and then for the next day and the next day for 30 days in a row. Most people can't do that. Shout out to Mr. Krabs up in Sydney who just completed one of one of my clients who just completed a 30-day challenge last week. He's on the fucking path. He's on the fucking journey. He can tell you about how painful it is. I can tell you how painful it is. I've done four of them. The most important one being my first one, which helped me to transform who I was. I've had countless clients go through the same process, transform themselves. They'll all tell you the same thing. One of the most painful things of their entire life. One of the most painful things in their entire life. The most painful experience of my entire life, I have three of them. Top one, this tattoo, three days in a row. The type of pain where you can't even scream. You're trying to cry, but no tears can come out. It's pain on a different level that no one can ever understand. No one could ever understand what it is to get a three-day tattoo on this detail done. Three days back to back. That's number one. Number two, passing a kidney stone. Passing a kidney stone, a concretion, a salty concretion through your urethra that feels like a hot blade being dragged through your fucking dick for about 30 seconds. Second most painful experience of my life. Third most painful experience of my life, my first ever 30-day challenge of cold social dynamics. That's how important it is. That's how painful it is. So if you want to entertain it, you can't, you're not going to last on sexual validation. No one stays the path if that their happiness and validation is based on the woman outside of them or the person outside of them. If you're only doing what you're doing so you can get fucked by her, so you get sex from her, so that you can have that feeling in bed going, ah, right? if that's all that you're doing, you will not last. You will give up. You will give up because your, most, your motivation, inspiration for doing it is so far off. It's so dependent on something that's so emotionally fleeting and ephemeral and that will be destructive in the end. It destroys you in the end to base your happiness on these women outside of you and that you're, especially if you're going to tie in the journey of growth and development through a very painful experience of cold social dynamics, but I'm only doing that so that I can have sex and have women in my life and get validated by them. It's, it's the double whammy of, it's the double, it's, it's two blades. It's a blade that cuts both ways. No matter which way you hold it, it's going to hurt.
you're going to draw blood both ways because it defeats the purpose of why you're even going through the pain. And then it also adds more pain on the other end when that woman leaves you, which a lot of my, a lot of my clients and myself personally had to find out. Listen, the reason why I get so passionate about this for you, X, is because I, I went through it. I was never as hard case about as you, though, in terms of your mindset towards validation. I had other problems. This was not my problem specifically, but there was definitely a time when I was a beginner and I was learning that there was not a huge part of me that thought that when a woman did show up, it's not so much pre, it's in the post, that when a woman does show up and she does say to you, actually, you know what? You are an upstanding gentleman. You are the type of guy that I want to spend some time with. Actually, Adam, let's go watch Despicable Me tonight and we'll have sex after. And she tells you that, yes, you are a sexually attracted being. You're a masculine being. I want to get around. And it's like, I've been working so hard for this. I've been going out every day, every day to improve my social dynamics, to get to the point where a woman would see me as a sexually attractive being. And now it's finally showed up. But then you get the question of, but is that why I ever got into it to begin with? Was that why I started? And then when you realize when the sex is done and you're just left with yourself, you have a choice. Do I keep working? Do I keep grinding? Do I keep climbing the mountain? Or do I just rest? Or do I just sip on that, chew on that fruit for the end of time just because I finally did it? And then we know. If that's the way you choose, then we know. Then we know that's what your motivation was, that you were only in it for external validation and that you're going to, that is a process, a time ticking bomb for self-destruction. It will destroy at some point in the highs of the highs when you're saying, listen, listen, X, to make this really tactical for you, one of my clients right now, they just last week sent me his itinerary for his weekly schedule. He's got five days this week with five different women and has to go out and meet 30 new women in his current action block of social dynamics. At least two of those women, I believe, if not one, two of them, one of them he's in an open and free relationship with. They have, they're having regular sex. The, the other one, I'm not sure where they are in their date scheme together. They might already be having sex. But the other three are new women. But it's five dates just last week. From Monday to Friday, dates lined up. And actively is still going through his journey of social dynamics of learning called human interaction. Having to go out and meet 30 people in, in a row for three days in a row, 10 people each day, three days in a row in this current stage of his, his action block. That's a hectic fucking week. And that might sound like what you think it is, what I was just describing before. But when the sex is done and when the dates are done, he's going to go home and say, but why did I all do it? Why did I do it all? Why did I put in all this effort and energy? Was it just so I could go on the dates and feel good about myself because I, can't, I can only be happy with having these, these women in my life? Well, if he's listening to this and if you're listening to this right now, which I know you are, that's not what he'll get happy on. What he'll get happy on is the fact that he's no longer that lowly fucking scrub, that fish that was so inadequate that an attractive woman would never even see him as being attractive. And when I say attractive, don't just get stuck on the surface level, magazine level of attraction. I'm talking about spiritually. I'm talking about being so attractive at a spiritual level in which that another human being recognizes themselves in you. That your attraction is not just that you have pretty eyes and that you have a shit hot body and that you can go out and you can handle yourself, that you're a fucking businessman, that you're fucking jacked and shredded, that you can handle an interaction, that you can speak to the family and the friends and that you're a cool guy. You're just a cool fucking guy. I don't give a shit about that. While all those things are attractive, 
The number one key determinant of attraction for me is being able to recognize yourself in another. If you can provide, what does that even mean? You're probably going, what the fuck? That's a lot of words. What does that mean, Adam? What that means is that you can connect to the present moment in such depth with such efficacy that the other person can see themselves in you, which is no one. If you can hold a space in the masculine to feminine dynamic in which that there's no more me and there's no more Jenna. And we're just here. That is the pinnacle of masculine to feminine interaction. To get to that pinnacle, you have to have been through such fire. You have to have been through such fire to have to deleted yourself and to have entered the present moment with that woman and to allow her, guide her into the space in which that she could delete herself. The commune of two human beings coming together and deleting their egos and coming into actual presence. I'm here, you're here, and now no one's here. That is the pinnacle of social dynamics of human interaction, whether it's sexually polarized or not. Children do it to the highest degree. You watch a three-year-old play around on the ocean like it was yesterday. Three-year-olds do exactly what I just did with no problems. Zero. None. Now, you guys say that's fucking easy because they haven't developed a self-egoic standing of themselves. Of course. And that's what I'm asking you to delete when it comes to that present moment, that intimate moment with her. But where we are in this ex, why was I even chasing that? Why was I even after that? Well, to me, it was never a chase. And for you, I hope it's never going to be a chase. The chase for validation from sex, the chase from validation from women, futile, absolutely futile, ephemeral and self-destructive. You'll come back to me if you follow that mindset in five years and you'll be worse off, 100% guaranteed. I've seen it with a lot of people. If you can flip that, get rid of the chase mindset, I'm on the climb mindset. I'm on the climb this mountain. It's easy to chase. It's hard to climb. It's hard to climb because there's pressure, there's adversity. There's gravity bearing down upon you. The forces of your inadequacy showing you every day that you suck and I'm going to get better because of it. Not because at the top of that mountain, there's more validation to be had or even better validation to be had. Only because when I come down that mountain, I'll know myself for the first time. Yes, sir. <laughs> Fuck yes. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> that wrapped up. Good. Shit, I wish you were in the room for that. I wish you were in the room for that. Mm. Only at the end of your own journey of pain will you know yourself for the first time. You do not know yourself until you have been through such levels of pain that you've had to destroy yourself and then rebuild to only realize that you were no one. And this is it. And this is the final thing I'll say to you, X, before I open up to open Q&A on the social Q&A session. It's the way to life, X. It's the way to life in which that I describe. You need to learn to hold a woman without grasping for more. You need to learn to feel a woman without needing more. You need to learn to see a woman without looking for more. And finally, you need to learn to die with a woman without living for more. This is the way to life. It's tattooed on my shoulder. It's burned into something I say to myself every day. That philosophy and mantra is just my way to life, yet I think it quite accurately describes what you need to do. And don't breeze over what I just said. What does it even mean to hold a woman without grasping for more? Think about what that means in your life. To be able to hold a woman without grasping for more. 
She comes and she goes. She comes and she goes. In this moment, I'm there in the water with her. We're under the moonlight. It's fucking freezing, but she's holding on to me for my body. I'm holding to her for her body warmth. I'm holding her, but I'm not going to grasp for more. She needs to leave. She needs to leave. If she wants to stay, she wants to stay. But I hold only to hold, not to grasp for more. Both in micro and macro, whether she's there with you in the moment or whether she's not. I need to feel her without needing more. You need to penetrate deeply into her body, experience that, and then come out of it saying, I don't need more though. If this is the last time that I ever got to be inside her and her have me inside her, and that's it. And that's it. And it's over now. And we felt everything we needed to feel. We didn't need anything more. I need to learn to see her without looking for more. This one for you, really, gongs going off. To be able to see this woman that you're with, but not look into her for more validation. Not look into her for more egoic sustenance and confirmation of your own existence. Just to see her for her and see yourself looking back at yourself to only realize that you were no one. And finally, for you to die with her without living for more. It's through the wrap-up of all of them. It's the final hand movement. When you come back up to the down, to the side, hands together, to die with her without living for more. What that means, X, is to enter the present moment with her in which that yourself is deleted. You could delete the part of yourself that would judge anything more, that would have anything to do with anything. You just literally entered this moment, that's it. You are okay to die in that moment. And you will return back to your life after this. But these keys, what I call the way to life, these keys can be applied both in macro and micro. You see, they, they, they acclimatize to wherever and whoever you're dealing with in life. You hold on to these keys. You take the micro tactics, I fucking went hot on you with swinging the hammer of social dynamics. I gave you a full instruction of what it means to do cold approach right. But none of that matters if you don't have the psychological, spiritually, mentally well-balanced mentality of what I just went through then in a very raw space. You can, you can go out and you can meet as many people as you want, but if you're perceiving it in the wrong way or the validation from sex and that's all you're getting from it, then don't even bother swinging the hammer. You just destroy yourself even more. If you only do what I just said with the way to life, but you don't swing the hammer, it's like, okay, I'll learn to hold without grasping, feel without needing, see without looking, and die while living. But I won't actually go and practice that. I'll just mentally masturbate on that, and it'll make me feel good about myself. Well, that's what I call the phonies. I call them the Zen phonies. It's like people who practice Zen, but they don't apply it in real life. It's one thing to be Zen in your bedroom. It's another thing to be Zen in front of a woman that's blowing your fucking mind as your absolute diamond in the sky and mother of children. You need both. You need to both swing the hammer and also have the right mentality when you step to the hammer. You step right to the hammer, you swing right with the hammer. And that's what it is. So X, you asked me a great question. You asked, this is a brilliant message on can you be happy without sex? And we've been through the entire thing through here. 
It's that it's a prerequisite. And I'll finish with this, X, as we get to open Q&A here, which is a time for you guys if you want to ask any questions now in the world of human interaction, dating, relationships, anything about social dynamics. We'll get to that in a second. But it's the final thing I'll say to you, X, is to your final question, can you be happy about sex? You heard me say it already. It's a prerequisite for you to be happy about sex in order to be happy with it. And that's the end. Okay. So, my friends, and X, I wish you the absolute best. You're going to need a lot of time to digest this session. So don't come back to me too quickly, but I would love to hear your feedback. I would love to hear how you're going to change your life. If you are, if you just disagree with all of it, I'd love to hear that as well. I don't care. But whatever it is, uh, I would still like to hear about your journey moving forward. So send me an Instagram message at Uitang1 or on boldoja.com. You can send me an email there. I thank you for a very well-written out question and being so good with the context, bro. So thank you. My friends, like I said, now time that ends the featured story, featured context of this Social Q&A Live ex- episode 69, Rock and Your Q-Bunt. So go ahead and you can now drop any questions. We now have time for open Q&A, which is any questions you guys have, as I said before, in the world of human interaction, dating, relationships, social dynamics, anything in your lives. If you want to ask your own particular question, we've got time now. The super chat option is available. So if you would like to donate to the channel and get your question bumped to the top, that's what the super chat option is before. And that will not only get your question bumped to the top, it'll give, allow me to give more time on it. I go way deeper into the super chat questions and I won't just breeze over them like as rapid fire, so to speak. So yeah, that's time for open Q&A now. If you guys got any value from what we just went into, please drop a thumbs up on the video down below. If you're in podcast land, as most of you are, most people can't make it live. Please, if you got any big bigs, if you had any big bigs, which are big truths, big learns, things that were realizations, come back on the YouTube video and drop a comment down below. I always respond to them. I'd love to hear you guys' feedback for those of you who can't make it live. And uh, I'm seeing a lot of people in the chat right now who are telling me that they just got fucking lit up on what we just went on. Yeah, open Q&A now so you guys can hit me with any questions, super chats, all that. So I'll give roughly 10 to 15 minutes to this depending on the quality of the questions and whether they're super chats or not. So let's see. Let's see. That was fucking, that was awesome though. I love love getting a beginner. I love getting a beginner of his journey at the beginning who looks like he's about to fall off the path and just pull him by the back of his fucking neck and just just wrench him back onto the path. And go, this way, (laughs) this way. It's like, it's one of the things that makes me so happy is because it's not, it doesn't make me happy if he chooses to keep walking, it's the fact that we got him at that point. You know, it's boys need to be taught. Boys need to be taught when they're boys, not when they're already broken older. Yeah, I was going to say not when they're broken men, but that, that would have sounded better more po- poetically. You know, boys need to be taught when they're boys, not when they're broken men. That's the poetic version, but the accurate version is that just not when they're older boys. Because if a broken man is not a boy. So they need to get it early is what I'm saying. This this stuff needs to be taught early. So, alrighty, my friends. Open Q&A now beginning. We have our first super chat from Jordan coming in with a $5 super chat. By the way, Jordan, because you're new to these social Q&A lives, you can attach an emoji to your super chat. You can attach like an animation. You're new to super chat, so you probably didn't see it. But... uh if you watch the other sessions, the other guys will drop huge emojis, like of people doing like, like emojis doing crazy things. And 
You'll see it. You're working it out in the super chat option. You can see it. But so Jordan's given me no emoji, just the $5, which I'm extremely appreciative of. It just goes back to supporting the channel. And now I'm going to spend way more time on Jordan's question, go way deeper into it. And if we have any more time after that, more super chats or just some rapid fire questions, I'll get that after. So Jordan with the $5 super chat comes in saying, what's your thoughts about when a woman says in quotes, I'm too nice and I'm too good for her. This happens with me a lot. Let me know if you need more info. I certainly do. I certainly do. Uh, Jordan, I need the context of when she's saying it. Is she saying it to you after sex? Is she saying it to you just before sex? Is she saying it to you just as you're shopping with her? I, I need. Please give me a direct example because this is a super chat. I will, I will go in depth into this. I will take the time with this. It, don't worry if it takes you time. Don't need to rush it. I, if there are other, there are often other questions that I can just in the meantime dive into. But uh, I need to know specifically. Tell me not only what would be great, Jordan, is a micro example of when she's saying that you're too nice and that you're too good for her. Specifically, too good for her as well. But give me a micro of when it actually happened. But in macro, you're probably going to have to explain your sexual relationship with her, whether it is sexually polarized or not. If it's after having sex, if you haven't had sex yet. I need to know these type of details and I'll keep hitting you up. So just give me, give me those, take your time with it. Don't worry. We'll come straight back to you. And I'll just see if there are any other questions I can handle. I'll see if there are any other ha- questions I can handle in the meantime. Okay. Alrighty. So actually in the meantime, there was a lot of chat during that absolute inspirational rant that I just went on before. So I'm just going to read out some of those while we're waiting for Jordan to give us some more context. Okay. See, see Cameron had come in saying, this is a lit. Thank you, Cameron. You were very late to this session. Cameron's got a, Cameron, I don't think that's a new profile picture, but it's, I don't know why. It just seems, it's definitely, it's you. I've never seen you before. Maybe it's because I've never looked into your profile picture, unless it's new. Anyway, it's good to have, good to see you have a good profile picture. He says, this is lit. That was during that inspirational rant. Jordan then went on to say, lit indeed. W sends the lit flame emoji. Stracon says, real. Willem says, damn, son. C. Cameron says, going to come back to this for years. Well, C. Cameron, I really appreciate, I mean, C. Cam, I should say. I've been so formal with you. I know you. I know you in these sessions. Good thing that you mentioned that because for those who don't know, I put time marks in the YouTube description for every single podcast, very detailed ones. So, because basically what I do is I go through all of these sessions and I go through and get all the highlights from them, all the key stages, uh, things that I feel like is a key moment, and I time mark them. It takes, depending on how long the sessions are, like for five-hour sessions, like last week, the last couple of weeks, they've all been five hours. It takes me a few days to do it. But for shorter sessions, they're normally up by the next day or the day after. So all you have to do is come back before the end of the week because these sessions are on Monday, and you'll see the time marks. And that inspirational rant I just went into I'll most likely cut it up on Instagram, but I'll definitely time mark it for this particular session. It'll be in the YouTube description. Not on the website, but on the YouTube description. So thanks for voicing that. Ole comes in saying wisdom. The wisdom. Jordan comes in with triple flames. We get a lot of flames up in here. Will comes in saying great sesh. Hot damn. Hot damn. <laughs> Ole, thank you for the feedback, lads. I appreciate it that you guys are feeling the fire as I was dishing it out. I definitely got fired up in that rant. I definitely got fired up with that rant. It's just, I think, I think what hits me at the core when we talk about social dynamics and my sense that this guy is not far gone. 
He's not far gone. He's only 22. So, but he doesn't have to have these mindsets about sex and validation. If we can just get him in the right direction and let him walk, he, he still has a chance of becoming a man. You know, it's like I'd rather get a 22-year-old who's not broken yet. It's a, lot, it's a lot easier to get a 22-year-old who's just a little misguided than to take a 35-year-old who's broken and completely rebuild him. Not that I won't. I have many clients that are north of 30, north of 40, that have been just broken and all their mindsets are broken and we have to completely rebuild them. It's a longer process though. It's much easier to fix yourself at 20 than it is at 35. Yeah, I just haven't had 10 to 15 years of doing it wrong, more of doing it wrong, of having insidious toxic mindsets. Let me see if Jordan's giving me further context here. By the way, I am seeing that you guys have, you guys have, there are more super chats. So this open Q&A is going to go for a bit longer as well. So I'm just going to stay on Jordan here because Jordan was the first. Okay. So Jordan's question was, what do you, for the $5 super chat, what are your thoughts about when a woman says, I'm too nice or you're too nice. I'm too good for you. No, he's too good for her. Let me get the, rise, the phrasing right. What are your thoughts about when a woman says, I'm too nice and I'm too good for her? This happens with me a lot. Let me know if you need more info. I sure, certainly did. So I want more context. He said that women say this to him before sex and during dating. So before and post. Okay. Jordan then goes on to say, and then again, after being denied, we also only made out. I did try to escalate, by the way. Is that all the context you gave me? Just not a lot of context. Okay. So, Jordan, when you say, uh, then again, after being denied, we are also only made out. Who's being denied? Are you trying to say that she's denying you with the phrases, you're too nice and you're too good for me, so that's why we can't sexually progress this? And you're saying that it happened after the makeout and that you tried to escalate, by the way. That's what I think you're saying. Please just give me a... Say if I'm on, if I'm on with that or if I'm off, please reiterate. Please correct me on that. Uh, so the gist of what I'm getting here though, Jordan, is you're saying that, well, there wasn't actually a lot of context there. When you say that, a woman says that you're, women are telling you that you're too nice and you're too good for her. I just needed to know why you're saying before sex and during dating. So that's not very specific. Uh it's like you give me an answer to all. You're saying yes and yes to both of them. She, Jordan then comes in to say, she said, let's just be friends and that she's afraid of losing me. Ah, that's better. That's better, Jordan. Good, good. That definitely tells me what's going on then. Okay, so Jordan, uh, with Super Chats, I go deeper. So I'll give you a general answer and then a specific answer afterwards so that we cover the principle, but then we get specifically tactical to what you're talking about. So generally speaking, when a woman is saying to you that, hey, listen, Listen, Jordan, you're just too good for me. I, we can't, we can't keep this on. Like, you're just too nice. You're just too much of a gentleman. You're too good for me, right? In a general space, that could speak to either one of two things: in which that she is literally dealing with a self inferiority complex, in which that she's been treated by very low quality and low caliber masculine energy for all of her life, and that you are just genuinely the first good guy to come in her life, and that it's not about that you're being so nice, but that you just being a good guy is blowing her fucking mind. And that because she's been used to one pattern of behavior, getting smacked, 
getting fucking smacked physically, but smacked psychologically as well, getting cheated on, getting played around with, right? Getting just being treated by the worst of the worst. You come across like rough diamond girls like this. I recently met one of them and she blew my fucking mind. And you come across a rough diamond of a girl who is just, she's super rough herself, but she's being treated rough. And you're just a, a genuinely good guy. Like you've got to treat her right. You treat her, you treat her like a woman. You respect her. You show her what your intent is and you don't lie about it. That you sit there with her, you be with her just to be with her. Not because you need to get with her, but because you want to be with her. You be a good guy about it, is what I'm saying. It can turn a lot of women away who are rough diamonds because it's the absolute opposite of what they've ever known. They're just fearing the unknown. That when a girl, literally, if she says to you that you're too good for me, whether she says it to you specifically, which this girl saying to you, but even if a woman doesn't say it to you specifically, you can get it in her behavior where she just goes cold for no reason, where she flakes. She flakes at the last moment when you'd already agreed upon plans, flakes at the last moment, self-inferiority complex comes in. Whether it's because of a result of that, I fear the unknown of what it's going to be like to be of a guy who treat me right because I'm just not being used to it. I don't know how to behave in that way. There's that. It can also just be that this is not what I'm attracted to. It's a very, there's a very common for a lot of girls, girls that have daddy issues particularly. I covered this in my daddy, Girls of Daddy Issues series. There's three parts to it on this channel, on the Bowl channel, that a lot of girls turn away good guys because they've only been used to bad guys. And that's where all of their attraction, you want to use the word complex, their attraction turn-ons came from, that they started to form ideas of attraction around what it means to be treated poorly. So now when they get treated good, it actually doesn't turn them on at all. There's an, there's an element there. What I'm doing for you here, Jordan, is I'm fully excavating the situation and giving you different angles because we're not in a 60-minute session here. I'm not able to get... Um, what I would do with you if, you if you were one of my clients is get you to go through an exact story for me, but I'm not going to get you to do that here because obviously it's going to take too long to type and I can give you, I can help you in a different way. So if you can, you can look at those, those elements as generals. Now there's one general that we can go a little more specifically into now because of what you've told me. Jordan also came in with more context, by the way, saying, he said, yeah, he thinks that I'm right. I'm right about what I said before. She definitely has and keeps doing that cycle and tell me about it has been neglected and used. And yeah, I watched dealing with the sexual trauma session. Okay. 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 We're good. We're good. So thank you for that, Jordan. There's one more. There's another very key general reason for why a girl would say, oh, you're too nice or you're just too good for me. You know, we should just keep it as friends. That is when she is not willing to directly tell you that she's not sexually attracted because she doesn't want to hurt you because you're such a nice guy. This is very, very, very common. Very, very common. I deal with a lot of guys, a lot of clients that have this particular uh, effect on women. One in particular that I coached on boot camp who was so nice that he could go on instant dates with girls in the day and they still didn't know why he was there. That he was so such nice of a guy, his even with verbally direct words in the open, you know, I thought you looked beautiful, they still thought he was just there to be friends. He was such a Mr. Nice Guy that he would literally be on instant dates for like 20, 30 minutes at the end, finally say, all right, listen, got to go, but let's meet up for, uh, get to know each other a bit more, go for a coffee or something another time, we'll go to the gardens. And she would say, oh, yeah, actually, but I'm not sure if my boyfriend would like that. 
And he's like, what? She's like, how could you get on an Insta date with a girlfriend that has a boyfriend for that long and she doesn't know what your intent is until the end? Because you're such a nice guy. If you're such a nice guy, and what does that really mean, Jordan, when I say you're such a nice guy that, and you're being such a nice guy that she's literally trying to save you the pain? What it means is that you're not conveying your masculine intent, not, not directly enough, not strongly enough, particularly in energy. Like I just said before, it can get to the level with some guys that have such mastery of Mr. Nice Guy-ness, Mr. Nice Guy puppy dogness. they have such mastery of it that they can make a girl so endeared, so comfortable with you. Because what do Mr. Nice Guys specialize in? Open qualification investment clothes? Investment, which is all comfort. Cool water comfort, baby. Comfort and trust. You build trust, you build comfort real easy if you're a Mr. Nice Guy. You make girls feel like they can tell you anything. You make girls feel like you're their absolute best friend. You make girls feel like they can just be themselves around you. It's super comfortable. It's super trusting. They invest a lot in you. But then when they get the sense, when you try to make a move, a direct move, a sexually polarized move, as you said before, a makeout, or you try to take clothes off, you try to go to progress the sexual progression, then they realize, they sense, oh shit, he's not just a Mr. Nice Guy, yet that seems to be all he really has been given me. But now he's showing me something that's actually sexually polarized, but I'm really not feeling that way about him. So what do I do here? Do I break his heart or do I let him down softly? Or do I, in certain circumstances, as what you're telling me here, do neither and just completely delude him? I don't know you, Jordan, and I don't know the story that you've been through. But if you're telling me that it's happening pre-sex and you said during dating, but I'm not sure if you're saying that's after sexual polarization. I'll break down the nuance in a second. But generally speaking, if it's happening pre-sex, that a girl is saying, you're just too nice and you know, you're too good for me. It's not that you're too good for her. It's not that you're too nice for her and that it's just too much for her to handle, that she doesn't, in quotes, deserve it if that's the thought you were getting or that you, you, just deserve, you deserve someone else better than her and that's what she's trying to communicate to you. It's not that at all. Whatever she, you think she's trying to say underneath that, when she says that you're just too nice and that you know, you're too good for me, That is her attempt to stop you from heartbreak, to stop you from feeling pain. What led to that is a overwhelming sense of cool, comfort, trust, energy in the form of investment, aka Mr. Nice Guy, that was not balanced with the fire of qualification, sexual polarization, masculine energy to lead, to challenge, to tease, test. You need both. For sexually polarized, balanced interaction, you need both the fire and both the cool water. Too much of either unbalances the interaction. Too much fire, you build no trust, build no comfort, never see her again. Too much water, too much comfort, she'll see you every single day of your life, but will never want to get into a sexually polarized interaction, will never want to push the sexual intimacy with you. You need a balance of both, okay? At specific times, of course, depending on whether it's an initial interaction or on the date or many dates and et cetera, nuances, et cetera. So there was a nuance I said though. If she's saying it to you after sex, so you have entered a sexually polarized interaction, then she hits you with, but hey, I'm not sure if we can you know, keep seeing each other because you're just so nice, you're just too nice and you're just really too good for me. Then it might speak more, I would lean more towards what I said before. She's got a self-inferiority complex that whether it's a result of her daddy issues, poor treatment in the past, abuse, psychological, et cetera, 
then that could build in a lot more. I would lean more towards that because if you've already had a sexual interaction, full penetration, the whole way, whole play, then hits you with a back out and she's backing up on you saying we can't be together because you're too good for me. I would put way more stock without even having spoken to her. I would like to speak to her, but without having spoken to her, doing the best I can in which that she's dealing with a self-inferiority complex from whatever pre-context, pre-history that might stem from, you would have to talk to her about that. I think that's pretty conclusive. I think that's pretty conclusive. Uh, let me see if you had any follow-up and otherwise we'll wrap up and we'll move to the other questions there. Yeah, I think that's pretty conclusive. So Jordan, uh, no, actually, I think I'll wrap up with the final thing there, which is a bit of instruction on which that, what if you are, what if you think it is more the first option that you're just such a nice guy that she doesn't even want you to feel pain because, you know, with some nice guys, girls don't mind nice, a lot of guys, a lot of girls don't mind breaking a Mr. Nice Guy's heart. You know, a lot of girls are puppy dogs by nature and they won't when they're younger. But as girls get older, like 20s and on, twenty early 20s, mid-20s and on, girls kind of just get fed up with Miss Nice Guys and they'll fucking dump you at a moment. Like, they don't really care. It's really like 16 to 20, girls are a little more careful with Mr. Nice Guys because it's their first relationship, it's their second relationship and they they don't have the chops, they don't have the, quite frankly, they're just not fed up yet. <laughs> But when girls get to a certain age, they're kind of just like, they're like old people, as Jerry Seinfeld said. Girls get to a certain stage in which that they just, they're reversing out of the car park and they're just not looking anymore. They just, fuck it. I'm, I'm driving, I'm coming back. <laughs> That's a Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld reference. Shout out to the OG. The OG. So, but, 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 Jordan, there are some girls, if you're such a nice guy, so nice to the point in which that they actually would like to have a friendship going forward with you, just not sexually. They just won't tell you directly. If you're a woman listening to this, please be direct always. Please, if you've got a, a guy who's just ultra Mr. Nice Guy and you really do want to be friends with him, just not sexually polarized, just tell him that. Just say, listen, I don't see you as a sexually polarized guy, a uh, being, <laughs> or if you want to be a little bit more straight savvy with it. Listen, I, I don't think we should get into a sexual interaction, but I'll still like to maintain a good friendship with you. That's how what a girl should say to you. She shouldn't lie to you and say, you're too good for me or you're too nice, etc. You're not doing him any favors by lying to him, girls. In fact, help him to grow by giving him the harsh truth. The inconvenient and harsh truth is what all guys need. And if they're in their boyhood stage of development and are unable to convey sexually polarized energy, they need to know. They shouldn't have to come to me to find out that they aren't able to convey true masculine sexual energy. They should just find out from the source directly, then come to me and work out how to fix it. That's what I, my job primarily should be. It's it, My job primarily should not be to illuminate you on the fact that you weren't communicating sexual energy. But it's often the case that I do have to because some girls or a lot of girls just don't tell you directly if you haven't been willing to find out for yourself. So Jordan, hopefully that answers that for you. Uh, he then went on to say, well, she doesn't think I'm a Mr. Nice Guy either. And then he went on to say, but I did handle her delicately because of her trauma, which might be her problem. And I definitely had and still have sexual polarization. Maybe I should sign up with a one-on-one for the whole story. Yeah, if you want to dive deeper with me, just head to bowldojo.com. You can look at the one-on, the once-off sessions, or you can look at the bowl coaching memberships. But I've given you a lot of generals here, which is what really all I can do in a, in a super chat because we don't have all day here. But all I'll look at is when it's happened. The key determiner is sexual polarization. Is this interaction, did we have sex or not? If we had sex, it means something very different pre. If we 
did have sex, it means something very different post. That's what you got to think about. Okay, Jordan. Thank you very much for the super chat. I very much appreciate it. The five dollars goes back to supporting the channel, and of course, I dive deep for it. Let's move on to the next super chat, my friends. And also, Jordan, thank you for your presence in this social Q and A. You were here from the entire from the beginning, so you're fucking locked in. So I really appreciate that. And by the way, guys, if you're enjoying this uh, session right here, drop a thumbs up on the video down below. Drop me some comments and posts as well for those of you in the sexy podcast land. Fucking a Easter Monday, but no holiday for social Q and A. And you know who's obscurely missing from this? Uh, two people are obscurely missing from the social Q&A live. Jay Nu and Ludi Colo. And Ludi Colo shouldn't be working today because he's got Easter holiday. So I don't know what he's doing. But for him to miss a social Q&A, because I'm referring to Edo Skimoto, a.k.a. the Ludi Colo ski. He can't make live sessions because of work. But today he shouldn't have work because it's a public holiday for Easter Monday here in Australia. I don't know what you're doing, Ski. Jay New, I don't know what he's doing either. But he's in New York, so he could be doing anything. Okay, let's move on to the next Super Chat, my friends. The next Super Chat was from T, aka Takumi, who comes in. And T was particularly quiet during this session. I didn't. I saw very few answers from you, T. Uh, coming in, anyways, Takumi coming in with an Australian $10 with that smoke weed every day emoji. In classic fashion. You've done away with the Shiba Inu and you've gone straight with the smoke weed every day. By the way, Jordan, that's what I was talking about with the Super Chat emojis. You can add like animations to them. But no less, a shit hot $10 Australian for T's Super Chat. Let's see what he has to say or to ask. T comes in saying, hey, Adam, appreciate the session again. Haven't been very active. Sorry. Allowed distractions. I have another question about Chief Girl, if you have time. <laughs> As you know, we decided to just be friends. I do have time. Let's go. He then goes on to say, and everything was good with this chief girl. Recently, by the way, for those of you like wondering who the fuck's chief girl, it's a, a girl that Takumi has been somewhat sexually involved in. Not full way sexual penetration to the best of my knowledge, but there was a, there was a lot of making out. There's a lot of rub and tub, but there was no actual full sexual penetration. They decided to leave her as friends. That's, that's it. They live in they live in a very in a tight uni space, same uni accommodation basically. That's all you guys need to know. Anyways, Takumi goes on to say, "I don't get to your question." There's a lot of chat. He's got another question about this chief girl. As you know, we decided to just be friends, and everything was good. Recently, I went on a date with another girl. She knows, and now chief, and now chief has got it really harsh with me. Stop chatting to me at dinner and avoids me around the place, dot, dot, dot. Another dot, dot, dot. This surprises me as she was always sweet before. I don't understand why it would upset her if I see other people since apparently Chief Girl is now dating someone anyway, dot, dot, dot. Another dot, dot, dot. I feel annoyed because I thought we were good friends now, but maybe I assumed too much. Like maybe it was me wanting to be friends, but not her, dot, dot, dot. Any illumination, why is she mad? Cheers. Interesting story. Interesting situation. T then comes in to say, just for extra context, the girl I went on a date with knows Chief Girl vaguely, but she's not a good friend. So I don't think that them knowing each other is an issue. So another, I'll add some extra context to the situation for the rest of you here. By the way, guys, is it getting too dark in here? It's getting, it is getting really dark. 
I'm not. I'm never looking at my own feed. I'm never looking at what I'm able to see. If you guys, if it ever just gets too dark, you guys just let me know. All right. Um, oh, what was I going to say that? I was going to add extra context for you guys on the chief girl. Uh, time frame is important here. This is. I think this is within a month. Yeah, T. This is, you guys decided to be friends about a month ago, or am I way off on that? Is it maybe two weeks ago? It couldn't be any more than a month. It's like somewhere between two to four weeks ago, these two decided to be friends when they realized the sexuality was not going to progress because of their living situation. Also because of their desires for a relationship. Takumi wanted open and free. She definitely wanted closed and locked. So it wasn't going to work both on a relationship dynamic standpoint, but also not from a accommodation living standpoint because of that as well. So they decided to just be friends. T, you're now telling me that you went on a date with a girl that she vaguely knows. She's gotten salty about it. And yeah, T confirmed saying, yeah, it was about a month ago. They decided to be friends. I was pretty, I was pretty damn close on. I was bang on. Okay. So you're asking why is she mad? Why is she salty? Is that, was that the final question? Yeah. He said, why? You said, why is she mad? I added the salty. Uh, but you say, why? Any illumination? You feel annoyed because you thought you were good friends now, but you assume too much. So it's a, this is a brilliant question. Your questions and your ideas or your confusion, and especially when you said, maybe I assume too much, maybe like it was wanting to be friends, but not her. Brilliant. That's good awareness. And why is she mad? A tremendous question. Just not for me. Just not for me because I'm not her. I can conjecture what may be happening, but it would be conjecture at best. Not like with Jordan, where there's only a set amount of responses that could happen to Jordan's question. But with your question, it could be literally because her mom told her that she's breaking up with her dad and they're getting a divorce. And so that's why she's salty right now. It could be that her best friend who's living in Sydney, who thought she thought was coming down to Canberra or whatever, is not going to come down anymore. And now she's salty about that. And now salty. There could be so many factors going on in her life that would lead and add to the madness and saltiness that you're perceiving that actually has nothing to do with your action that I could never account for. I could. Now, I'm giving you outliers. If you're asking me, what is my best conjecture? That was none of those things were my best conjectures. Those are definitely things that are possible, but it's not my best. If I was to go very specific onto this particular situation, if we were to take into account the friend that you're dating or that you went on a date with, uh, and you said you know her vaguely, so I'm going to assume that they don't talk about their dates. I'm going to assume that the friend you went out with didn't then go and tell her about the date. Or, well, hang on a second. How would she know, T? How would... Chief girl, your girl, how would she, not your girl, but how would chief girl know about your date with her friend, vague friend? How would she know if she, if the girl you went on the date with didn't tell her directly? I need that context because that actually would help me get a little bit beyond conjecture then. So could you please put that context in the chat? Uh, T then comes on to say, I forgot to add to the story. I asked her over text if we could chat if everything is okay. She sent me a rude message back telling me she didn't want to talk. Okay. Okay. So that's even better. That gives me, that moves me even closer and further away from conjecture. I can get a little more specific with it too. But please tell me, T, who informed Chief Girl of your date with her friend? Was it you? Was it you that told her about it? Or was it her friend? Okay, T comes in saying, ah, yeah, chief girl found out about it when the other girl told her directly. 
which also confused me. Like, why would she say that? Ah, okay, okay. Okay, pieces to the puzzle, keys to the city. Let's go. This makes, this is even, well, this is not even beyond com, uh, conjecture. I mean, T comes and saying maybe this is too complex, just could wait for a one-on-one call. Yeah, but listen, I can give you something here, which is that the pieces are coming in here, the, the, the keys to the city here. Now that I've worked through it, listen, if you had told me that you told Chief Girl correctly and you did it in the correct way, which would have been how? Which would have been like, hey, listen, uh, Chief Girl, let's, uh, let's go for a quick walk. Let's, let's lead it up, do something chill. You get down there into the lake and it's under the stars and say, hey, listen, I just want to let you know after you've had some chop, hey, I just want to let you know that I did actually go out on a date with this girl. I think you two know each other. And since we're friends, I just wanted to be upfront and honest with you. Uh, just in case there might've been some weirdness between you two, I, I didn't want you to be in the dark about it. And yeah, just let me know how you're feeling about it. That's the correct way to go out with a friend of a friend. If, especially if it's, even if it's only just vaguely. Like even more so if it's a direct close friend of a friend, like you need to be 100% upfront and honest about it. But even if it's like a vaguely close, a vague friend, a vague connection, you still need to be uh, having the active, proactive front step. Make sure you get to your friend, the one that you have a connection with and say, just let them know what's up. If you had done that and she then got salty and mad in post, maybe not in the moment, but in post. She, in the moment, she might've been like, oh, yeah, it's good. It's fucking good, bro. But then in post, she then treats you differently and acts differently. What that would speak to is that she was never happy being friends, that she actually genuinely just wanted to be with you and that she was waiting for you to change. But now that she realizes that you've moved on, you're going to a different girl. And it's a little bit of extra salt, the fact that she knows that girl. That's more salt in the wound. But the wound was initially that she never actually wanted to be friends. That's what I would say if you had done what I, if you had been the one to directly tell her. But that's not the case. The case was that the girl you went on the date with told her directly. You said then the other girl told her directly. So that would explain extreme saltiness. That would extra- explain extreme madness. Why, T? Why? I'm not sure if you hear for all of this podcast, but at the beginning of this podcast, when we were addressing X's story, there was a question based on control. And I kept saying the word control throughout most of the podcast, actually. What do you not have control over? That conversation. The conversation I just gave you of how to directly and correctly tell chief girl about the girl you're dating who's a vague friend is direct, congruent, authentic, covering of empathy. It's extremely well-balanced. It's leading. It's masculine. It's just all around a home run. It's a straight home run if you can execute it. But you have no control over the execution of that information if the girl you're dating or went on the date with told her. Why? How do you know the nature in which that, that information was transmuted? How do you know in which the, the space, the timing, the emotions, the vocal calibration, the intent of which the information of that, hey, by the way, by the, let's, just, let's just call Chief Girl fucking, we'll call her Jenna and we'll call the girl you're dating, uh, Stacy. How do you know Stacy went up to Jenna, aka Chief Girl, and said, hey, hey listen, Jenna, I, just, I wanted to just you know, kind of catch up tonight. Do you have a free moment? Make sure it's good for her. It's not like an emotionally pressured moment. Make sure that she's in a mutually agreed upon emotional space and time. 
yeah, and and, and Jenna comes back to her say, yeah, actually, you know, like, tonight's actually not very good because there's some things going on, but how about tomorrow night? Okay, I'll do tomorrow night. You get down to the park. So it's mutually agreed upon. The emotions are going to be right from the beginning. Get her on emotionally on side. Awesome. And then Stacey goes, no, listen, Jenna, uh, I just wanted you to know just, just because I didn't want to, you know, create any bad blood or bad vibe between me and you or between Tucker, me and you. But Tucker and I uh, are kind of seeing each other. We haven't really done anything, but we, you know, we went out the other day and we had a good time. But, you know, I just wanted you to know because I didn't want you to feel like you were getting blindsided because uh, I wasn't sure if he was going to tell you. Uh, he probably will, but I wasn't sure. So, yeah, I, and if, if you're not okay with this, I'm totally fine to park it. And I just really want you to be uh, okay with it. I don't, I don't want there to be in bad blood. How do you know that that was the way in which Stacy communicated the information about you two going on a date to Jenna? You don't. That's, again, the home run, what I just went on. Direct and grew an authentic covering of empathy, balanced in a well-emotional space, timed well. But you don't know if that's the way it was done. If it was done any less than that, salt can get added. Let's say it was the worst of it, just to give you the opposite. Let's just say that Stacy just decided to be, if not consciously a bitch about it, but subconsciously was feeling a little bit grand, a little hundred grand, a little hundred K zenny on the fact that Takumi's chosen me and he's not going with fucking Jenna. So I'm going I'm to rub some salt into that wound of Jenna. Whether she knows about the wound or not, I'm just going to rub some salt and see if there is a wound. You know, like what if she had that mindset and if not consciously, but subconsciously and just, just didn't have the social savviness. Even let's just say she didn't even have the malintent, but just didn't have the social savviness, the social acuity, and just blurted out on a fucking random whim over lunch or while they're walking down to the next class going, oh, by the way, yeah, Tucky and I are going out. Or Tucky and I went out the other night and it was fucking lit. And then, but she didn't realize that would be a problem because she didn't know the situation between you and Jenna, chief girl, so that sent absolute fireworks going through Jenna because she feels like, well, why the fuck didn't Tucker me tell me about it? And why the fuck am I having to hear about it when I'm about to go do biology? You know, or whatever class marketing or whatever class she's about to take. And why does I have to hear it from, from this girl, from, from this bitty? Because uh, you know, we're not even close friends. It'd be different if they're close friends. And close friends would talk to each other differently about it. So what I'm saying here is that the way in which the information about you going out on the date with Stacey, how that is communicated directly relates to her levels of saltiness. That doesn't excuse her being rude to you. She should be mature enough to acknowledge the fact that she's triggered and then to come to you and tell you that I'm triggered. That's what friends do. They say, listen, you did something that triggered me. We need to talk about it and I don't want to do it in a in an aggressive space, I need to calm down, but we need to talk about it. That's what friends do when someone gets triggered. You don't sweep it under the rug. You don't act passive towards each other. She, if she's saying she's passively acting salty towards you, or even if it's not passive, just actively acting salty towards you, you know, it's, it's just immature and low-level behavior. She should be upfront with you for sure. That's her responsibility. What's the best that you can do is probably what you're thinking. The best that you can do uh, is, as you said before, reach out to her saying that, hey, I think we should talk about what's going on. I want to make sure that there's no confusion. I don't want to make any assumptions and I just want to clear anything up that might have been misunderstood. That's what I would do if she, that's what we call offering the hand. It doesn't matter if she takes it or not. Some girls who are just extremely immature and they're not willing to rise above their own ego, 
They'll slap the hand away and they won't take it. And they'll go, no, 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 you should have told me. I'm not talking to you. Fuck you. Right. And they won't say, okay, yeah, I'd love to understand the situation better. Maybe I could have made a miss, a mistimed judge based on the way the information was communicated to me. Maybe I should hear it directly from the source. No. All right. So if she's going to be no about it, then that's okay. Let her, that's her journey. That's her growth. Wish her well. Continue on your path. If she is going to be mature about, if she is going to be mature about it, then have the conversation and explain the situation from the beginning and apologize for the fact that you weren't the one to tell her directly. Not that you could have stopped her vague friend from directly telling her, but you definitely could have made more effort to do it yourself. So that's what I'll do. That's the situation. That's how I would cover it. Okay. Okay, T had come in with some extra context saying, oh, okay, shit, I'm in some deep fire. I don't know why that would be upsetting. I think it was uncool of the other girl, but I'm just confused. True. I'm not sure even what the other girl told Chief. Okay, Jenna. I think she might have played it up a bit, made it seem more than it was. Ah, there you go. And he then goes on to say, I told the other girl about things with Chief and thought she would be a bit sensitive about it. And yeah, maybe not. Okay, that yeah, bad, bad mistake. Big mistake. Big mistake, T. <laughs> Uh, that's too much of a share. That's too much private information. That's you uh, breaking the NDA. You had a non-disclosure agreement on your interaction with Chief Girl and you broke the NDA. So it's all your fault, actually. Like regardless of your, I, I could have given, saved you a point by saying that, well, maybe Stacy, the girl you went on the day with, just was a little too happy on her and just lacked the social acuity. But if you were the one who willingly broke an NDA, uh, and told her information she just didn't need to know to a, to a degree that sh- that you did, right? You could have told her very generally that, oh yeah, Chief Girl and I had a bit of a thing, but we just decided to be friends, and that's it. That's all you said. And then what if she said, "What do you mean a bit of a thing?" It's like, hey, listen, it's got it's got to stay between you and I. It's just between you and I. So, uh, uh, sorry, you and I. It's got to stay between me and Chief Girl. It's got to stay between me and. Jenna, chief girl. So, but anyways, you were telling me about that thing. You're going about that thing. Uh, you, you breeze over it. That's what you should have done if she pressed you for information. You definitely should not have gone into details about it if that's what you did. Uh, don't break the NDA. Do not break the NDA. <laughs> you're asking for an absolute fire there. But if you're understanding, like you shouldn't be confused about why chief girl is upset. She's upset because of the way she received the information and the caliber of which the information was communicated. That's why she's upset. And also the fact that you weren't the one to give her the information. So on all boards, it's all fire. And it all makes sense. However, it doesn't excuse her from sending you rude messages and not being a responsible, mature adult about it to go in and say, hey, let's try and put the fire out. Like She just sounds like she might need some time. I would extend, I would offer the hand, let her know the hand's there in perpetuity and eternally, that the hand will always be there if you ever want to clear the air and discuss things and then just leave it there. That's where I'd leave it, okay? But in future... You be the one to tell directly that if you're going out with a friend of a friend, a friend's friend, but you be the one to give the information directly so you can control the environment and the caliber of which the information is communicated. And then you also make sure that you do not break NDAs with the girl that you're currently seeing. Uh, just, just to give you an added point, because there's a super chat, and I think there's one more super chat, and we'll wrap it up on that, unless there are any other questions. I once had this situation as well, T, where with one of my, a girl who I was with uh, for like, but this is when I was in high school and we were together for about a year and uh, we, were in, we were in mad love. We were in sad love. 
But when, once we had broke up, it was about three or four weeks later and one of her friends of friends hit me up and 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 I made sure I went to my girl, my ex first. I made sure because I knew because she was friends. They were friends. They were pretty good friends as well, not even just vague friends. And so I made sure I went back to my ex first, always to give her that information first. Just to say, listen, this is the thing. Your girlfriend's hitting me up. If you're okay with this, then cool. If you're not okay with it, that's totally cool as well. I always want to, you always want to dictate how the information is communicated. And then when you're, when I was with that girl, the, because by the way, my ex-girlfriend came back and said, hey, listen, yeah, you guys seem like a good match. And yeah, for sure, go for it. And then so I'm like, okay, cool. So then when I went to that girl, the friend of my ex, I said to her, yeah, so I had this conversation with my ex. She's, she's cool with it. You two should probably just have a quick, quick word about it as well. But just so you know, like, uh, you know, that whatever happened between me and my ex just stays between me and my ex, you know, to make sure she's cool with that. That's what I said to that other girl. And she's like, yeah, yeah, of course, of course. You said the T's and C's, okay? You said the T's and C's. Yo, sure. T then comes in saying, okay, awesome. This is really helpful. Learning a lot. Yeah, man, it's all learns. It's all learns. You, you would only learn these lessons, T, by fucking them up. Uh, I had to fuck this up in past as well. I've definitely broken NDAs. I've definitely broken NDAs with new girls who had friends with girls that I was once with. I told the new girl way too much about what happened between me and the other girl. She then went and talked to that girl about it and then fucked up the relationship between me and the previous girl. But she didn't fuck it up. It's because I broke the NDA. She would never have anything to fuck up if I didn't give her all that information. So, yeah. I know for you, you're not doing it because you're just trying to be a saucy Sam. You're not just trying to like, oh, here's the goss. I know that's not why you're doing it. You're doing it because you just want to be open and very expressive and, you know, everything above board. There's a difference between everything above board and then everything above board that would now cause a fire. You definitely be above board, which is why I say, like, listen, things happen between me and my ex, but we don't need to go into it. It's telling her that, yes, things have happened, but I'm not going to give you the kindling to create a fire. That's what we're talking about here. It's like when some of my clients ask me, what do I say to a girl who I'm in an open and free relationship with when she asks me if I'm meeting other girls or if I'm uh, regularly approaching other girls? And it's like... It's like, do I, how specific do I need to be is what they ask. Because it's like, there's a difference between being truthful and then just giving way too much. Like being truthful and overloading her, overwhelming her with the truth. It's like, how much truth does she need to know? Because there's, there's a difference between being truthful with someone and then overwhelming them with the truth. Like drowning them in the truth. And I've always said this, in an open and free relationship, she definitely needs to know and you need to know if she's seeing other guys and if you're seeing other girls. And they need to know... You know, they need to know that if you're in that space, but they don't need to know the hair and eye color of the girl or man you're seeing. They don't need to know what position that you were having sex with her last night. That's an overwhelming of the truth. Yeah, you're being above board and you're being truthful, but you're giving kindling that would cause a huge fire. It's also T why the other thing, which is I actually broke my own rule the other day, which is which was yeah, it was a mistake. Uh, and I and I absorbed the repercussion for it, which is why I never do it. Like you never see it. You, if you guys follow me on Instagram, you'll never see the girls that I'm dating on Instagram, ever. If you're in open and free multiple casual relationships, the last thing one of your girls wants to see is you on a date with another one of the girls. 
This is a key fundamental principle right back that you learn early. If you had followed me on social media or you were absorbing the content, seeking that content back in 2016, 2015, you would have seen on Snapchat and on Instagram, all of my dates, all the girls that I was dating all the time. You now, you can go right back to my profile and you can see those posts removed. Now, well, you, you can't see it. They're, they're removed now. Those, you will not see on my Instagram me going out on a day of a girl or me on, on Snapchat. I don't use Snapchat except for sexting. Uh, <laughs> except for fat asses. I, <laughs> yes, I barely use it. Uh, <laughs> um, you, but if you're on Instagram, you will not see on my story the dates that I'm going on. You will not see the girls that I'm with. You never see that because it is, while it's the truth, it is an overwhelming truth to the other girls. They don't need to see that because, of course, they we have each other on Instagram. If you're seeing two or three different girls at the same time, of course, you guys have each other on social media. Do you need? And what's the principles of an open and free relationship? T. No ropes. No ropes connected to each other's worlds. Instagram's okay if you're not going to be blasting her in the face with all the other different people that you're seeing and vice versa. And vice versa. She shouldn't be doing the same on her social media, putting up snaps and Instagrams of her on dates with different guys, pictures of other different guys. Because how do you think that would make you feel, T? Terrible. Make you feel shit because it's putting ropes to the world, uh, to the moons. You're connecting your worlds together with the ropes. So that's why... I'm not sure how we get onto this ranty, but all I was trying to point out here was the social savviness and oh, the mistake that I made, which is that the, yeah, about a month ago, it was a month ago, three weeks, four weeks ago, I just had a, one of the most, one of the best dates I've had in a really, really long time, like years we're talking about, like high level, diamond level date. And I, I didn't, I did put a little bit of her on it, like a couple seconds when we got out of the water together and I talked about the date afterwards. Big mistake. Big mistake that I have not made in many years. I haven't put a girl from one of my dates on my Instagram like that and talked about one of our dates since 2015 to 2016, which I used to do it all the fucking time, which caused a lot of fires. Caused a lot of fires. Because other, girl, other girls I was seeing would come back to me and say they would get they would get snappy. They wouldn't directly get snappy because they know we're in an open fair relationship. They know that I'm seeing other people. But they're like, why the fuck did you have to put that on your public social media where you know I'm going to see it. It's like, Adam, I'm fine with you seeing other girls, but do you have to blast it in my face? That's what I'm talking about. That's where this came from. There's a difference between the truth and an overwhelming truth. They're both true. One is just more socially calibrated than the other. Yeah. That's, and that's why I brought it up for you is that, yes, you need to be honest with the girl if you're going to date a girl as a friend of one of your friends, but you don't need to overwhelm her with information about it. In. Okay. Here we go. We got the next super chat, and then I think we'll bounce after the next super chat question. There was one more from someone else. From Willow. By the way, guys, if you're enjoying this session, go ahead and drop a thumbs up on the video down below. Help support what's going on here. And uh don't forget to drop a comment in post as well if you're in podcast land. We've been gone for about two and a half hours, have we? Three hours. Three and a half hours. Almost four hours. That's about that's that's a short sesh. We go for five hours. <laughs> Okay, so Will M had the next super chat. So I thank you, T, for that ten dollars super chat. Will M comes with a four dollar ninety nine US super chat. By the way, Will, you can use an emoji. You can use an animation. <laughs> you're in S. You're in VFX as well. I surely you would have gone for some hype 
uh, animation on your super chat, but you just gave me the bland $4.99. <laughs> That's okay. It's okay. I most appreciate the donation, of course, and for you being locked in this entire session. Will was the only one who had 100,000 Zenny answer the entire session. So big ups to Will on that. And he comes in with a $4.99. Will comes in with a $4.99 US super chat saying, Cray Sesh, T-Y. Wondering if you had any advice for being aware of the ego on a moment-to-moment basis throughout the day. Macro and micro strats, T-Y. Will, I... I sense that this is something that you recently, I, when I opened up my WhatsApp this morning, as you know, I'm unavailable Monday, uh, available Monday to Friday Australian by, isn't this the same question? I just breezed through the questions that I got asked from my private clients uh, today. And I believe this is something you asked me. Yeah, this is the same thing that you asked me. So listen, Will, do you want me to go into this for you here now? Or do you want me to go into this view through our private WhatsApp? Because you don't need to do a super chat for this. You've got access to priority messaging, which is one of the benefits of coach, my guys who are on memberships with me, the bold coaching memberships. So, Will, if you're still here in the chat, because you might not still be, let me know if you have a different question, and I'm happy to change, switch out the question, because I see, I saw this question come through this morning, but of course, we have social Q&A. So, I normally address it before the end of today. It's exactly the same question. So I can either address that for you because I can send you a, a voice message or whatever later on. Or if you have a different question, I'm more than happy to swap out your question here. So I'll give you a couple seconds just to tell me if you're still here. Otherwise, otherwise I will address it here for you just because you donated Super Chat anyway. And later on between you and I, I can go a bit deeper as well. But I'll make sure everyone gets something from it today if you don't want to change out the question. Okay. <laughs> Justin, Justin Liversil, I've told you three times now, you've got to put a profile picture in if you want me to read out your comment. Go to Gmail, put a profile picture of yourself or an avatar that looks very similar, and then I'm happy to read out your comment. But I appreciate you, appreciate you saying that. Appreciate what you're saying. I'm just not going to read it out. All right. Uh, Nick, oh, Mr. Zoo was up in here saying, this is a podcast that I needed. Yo, Nick, I'm not sure if you were here during the inspirational rant on social dynamics. It's towards the end. You, that's something you're going to go fucking nuts over. I'm in the time marks. You better listen to this whole session afterwards. It comes at right at the end. It's in the final instruction. Okay. Okay. So Will hasn't come back to me. So Will might not still be here. So in any case, because Will, I saw that you sent me that as a private question through WhatsApp. I'm still going to address it here now and I'll go into a proper here now. But later on, if you wanted to go into even more detail, just let me know. Okay. Because a lot of people get uh, great um, great value from this anyway. So Will drops the $4.99 super chat saying, great sesh, thank you. Wondering if you had any advice for being aware of the ego on a moment-to-moment basis throughout the day. Macro and micro strats, aka strategies, TY. I sure do, Will. I sure do. That's what I call a catch yourself. This is something that I've been pushing and pushing for a very long time. OGs know about this. Catch yourself. So specifically, the catch yourself is targeted at when you just get so deep into a mental thought loop, you get into such a rabbit hole of, 
unserving, dark, toxic mindset, whether it's self-inadequacy, self-destruction, uh, future projections, past attachments, where you're just literally battling yourself within your mind, f- fighting arguments, fighting fights that don't even exist in your mind. And we have a catch yourself. A catch yourself operates on two levels. For those who are beginners who have never learned to become aware of their own thought process, the entry level catch yourself is to literally just say to yourself, and back to now. I'm such a, I'm such a piece of shit. I fucked that up. I should have said that to her. Oh my gosh, she probably thinks I am just an absolute idiot. She's never going to ask me to come back out on a date again. And back to now. If you have a short phrase that catches you on the awareness that you are unpresent, that you are diving into a deep, unserving, dark, obviously, thought process that is just not, number one, stopping you from being present in the moment, but number two, actually destroying yourself, to remind yourself that you are, in fact, doing that, to train a catchphrase uh, and back to now, and who do you think you are, (laughs) and who you think you are, and what the hell are you doing? These are, these are ones that I used to use all the time. I say it's entry level because you will do away with these. These are just training wheels. But it's a great start when you get when you notice, okay, I'm just learning to become present and consciously aware of what I'm doing within my own brain. To have a phrase that actively speaks to the fact that you're not present. And back to now. Whatever, whenever you realize you get overwhelmed, and that's now. And who the hell do you think you are? You ask yourself, and who are you? finish off I'm just man I'm never going to be successful I'm never going to be sexually attractive I'm never going to be the person I want to be Uh, who do you think you are and then it brings you that little moment of realization of who am I because you would then ask who am I and then you enter that fleeting moment of true presence when you realize who you actually are that's what a catch yourself does well that's what I what I call a catch yourself and that's what it does that's the primary purpose of it it's that it's a phrase that brings you into the realization of now. Okay. Tool with it, play with it, find ones that suit you. And who am I? And who are you? And back to now. Anything that would bring you into the realization of now and to understand what your true nature is, that's a great thing to separate and to interrupt a dark thought process. But it's only a training wheel because it is still, it's not the fastest way of doing it. It's certainly not the fastest way. It's a great raft to get you into presence. But it's a slow raft. You have to remember what to say and you have to say it. But there's a next level to the catch yourself, which is a physical catch yourself. Those were verbals. A physical catch yourself and you can, this is my 21st interpretation of them. This is definitely not my, I was not the first person to create these. In Japanese Zen and Korean as well, just Zen in general, they often whack you with a stick. They often, the, the, Zen, the Zen instructor will often whack you with a stick if he notices you'll be getting a little bit too shifty, a little too unpresent, and he'll just whack you with a stick, just plain and simple, just, just smack you, tap you on the hand with a stick, and sometimes pretty aggressively, not too aggressive, but you know, enough to wake you up, and that's a physical catch yourself. They, wouldn't, they didn't call that a catch yourself. That's what I call a catch yourself, but you have, there are other ways to physically catch yourself, and the number one is always going to be breathing, Will. To catch yourself when you are going into ego mode. Now we're going to be more specific to your question, saying that being aware of the ego on a moment-to-moment basis throughout the day. To be aware of your ego means that you have to step a level up to be aware that you even in fact have an ego and that who is in fact using it. Am I the master or am I the slave? 
Am I the master or am I the slave? A physical way of doing this is to just breathe. If you can train yourself on when you know you've gone into default ego mode, and this is where we start to we start to get a little metaphysical, we start to transcend into who you think you are, in which that if you start to breathe in a trained response to you going into ego mode, which is aka slavery, which is that completely self-serving, completely engulfed in that I am the only one and that everything revolves around me and that anything, any stimulus coming in must be interpreted for my gain and my benefit. That's ego mode in a nutshell. If you can take that and any time that that mode gets entered and activated, your typical response, your trained response is... to just breathe. Well, all we're doing there in the catch yourself process, all we're doing there is taking away the verbal and just stepping straight into the physical. It brings about the same realization of that I step into now. I step into the presence of true nature of reality, which is that, oh, my ego is just a figment of an illustration. My ego is just a figment of illustration, of illumination. It's very illusory and it's very ephemeral. Because when I access the true moment of presence, I realized who I really am. When you have that moment of breath that intercepts the ego mode, then to your question of day-to-day awareness of being aware of your ego, in order to be aware of your ego, you must step out of the mode in which that it is primary. If your primary mode of operation is self-centered, self-focused, I and what I receives and gets from everyone else in transaction, if you can step above that and realize, oh, that I was just a game. Will, in quotes, was just a game. Adam is just a game. Adam is just in this world of the cities running around of all the other egos. Breathe. By breathing and stepping into the present moment, you can step back and deactivate ego mode into mastery mode in which that, huh, transcend. And, and it's on the end of end. And when you can be aware of that, then you can go, ah, oh, ah, oh, I, I fell asleep there for a moment. I fell asleep. My eyes closed for a second. Ego mode took over. I was no longer awake. The ability to wake up is what the catch yourself is. A catch yourself just wakes yourself up. The catch yourself of breathing is my number one go-to. If I ever find myself getting uh, too deep on Adam, too engulfed in Adam to where I start to think that Adam is all there is and all there ever will be, just breathe. And just for a slight moment there, I realized that Adam's just a game. And now as I'm talking to you, Will, I am holding a duality in which that Adam's being used, the ego is being used, but he is in fact being used. That is everything I'm doing and saying in this podcast right now, as I'm thinking about it right now, that's just Adam, but it's just Adam. And with that just Adam, you become aware of your ego on the day to day. All you have to hold is it's just Will. When When Will got mad at the guy in traffic and started beeping his horn and got into ego mode, it's just Will. That's just, that's just will, which infers what will? That there's something more, that there's something grander, that there's something more eternal, stable, centered, grounded, that transcends just will. We start craving that girl back. We start craving the sex. You start craving validation. You start craving money, success, social standing. That's just will. Ah, it's just will. And breathe. And come back into now, okay? So it's a trained response, as I said before, that when you're in ego mode, ego mode is all. 
When you're in ego mode, ego mode is everything. So you have to train the response of intercepting, falling asleep to waking up. And the way that you do this is just by knowing prehand that that's my trained response. Anytime that I get so deep in on myself, I breathe. It's like whenever you feel that, it's a sensation. You know it's a sensation when you go into ego mode because you get tight, you stop breathing properly. You're not really breathing. You're not you're, you're chest breathing when you're in ego mode. When you're connected to the presence of now, you breathe into your balls. You breathe into your eggs if you're one of my girls. You know what I'm saying? So, Will, I really appreciate your $4.99 super chat. And if you have follow-up questions, just hit me up on WhatsApp and uh, we can hit it up private there, okay? So, thank you very much, Will. I appreciate it. And for your 100,000 any answer in this session as well, you're on point. This entire session, you're on point. Okay. All right, my friends. I think that's where we're going to wrap it up. There might be a few rapid-fire questions. Uh, I'll just see if there are any rapid-fire questions I can hit very quickly. Yeah, there are a couple. Otherwise, we're going to piece it out here. There was one before about Jose had put in a rapid-fire question. That's three Super Chats in a row, so I think we're, we're good. If they're not good, I always like to end on a high note. I don't like to end with low-quality questions because th- those three questions are fucking money from Jordan, Ho- uh, Jordan, Will, and Takumi. You guys had amazing Super Chat questions. Jose had had a random question saying, how do you generate happiness perpetually? Okay, perpetually is an interesting word there. When you say perpetually, Jose, maybe that's not a rapid fire question. That's something I need to get you to give me further context on. What you think perpetually means. Do you mean that in the long term or do you mean that in a short in a short term micro way? Do you mean that in macro and micro? Because in macro, the answer is very different to in micro. I could give you, and that's not a short question, actually. So, Jose, if you would like to know more about that, because we're at the end of the session here, we've just done three super chats in a row, I would need more context from that to provide real value. If I can just give you something really general here, in terms of how do you generate happiness perpetually, happiness in the micro perpetually is something that generated, as we know, internally as we went through this podcast, this entire session together. However, on a very micro tactical level as human beings, we are only happy when we are evolving because our internal generation of of happiness is in relation to who we once were. You will never be happy being the same. You will never be happy regressing. You can only ever be happy with the fact that you aren't the same person that you once were on an egoic level, all right? And that is never determined by anyone else. But you all know this. If you're being a bitch, if you're being weak, if you didn't do the thing you said you were going to do, if you didn't do the thing that you knew you had to do, you feel like terrible. You feel like shit. If you're just not doing the thing you know you need to do, you feel like shit. You're never going to be happy. That's just very micro and a tactical. And it requires no validation from anyone else. You know, it's a wins and losses checked between just you. That's micro tactically in terms of generating happiness. The self-evolution. But that could also apply macro as well. But then also, if I could take you a little bit more macro because you're saying perpetually happiness in life, happiness in general, purpose, physical, mental, social development, a well-balanced temple. Direct and grew an authentic covering of empathy pivots on the internal, on what's happening in terms of your social dynamics. Right, these are things that I would look to in terms of a life of happiness. In micro, uh, in micro, as we discussed before, always been evolving yourself within. On the macro, evolving yourself without, and hopefully, if you're not even hopefully, and if you're tuned in enough, Jose, you marry the two. That my internal self evolution is one and the same with my external. And that they never were based on anyone outside of myself. They were always deemed by my own judge, which is me. I think we wrap that up pretty tight. It's good. I would need more context, though, if you want me to go deeper.
but it wasn't a super chat, so that's okay. And there was one more question, rapid fire, I'll hit up, which is from Old Boy Davey, who says, hey, Adam, how do you feel about cold approaching in college? So, Old Boy, I've already done a podcast on this ages ago called How to, something about how to meet girls in college or university, just type it in the channel, university slash college. Uh, my overall rapid thoughts feeling about it is this, which is that you should not be cold approaching in college or slash uni if it is the type of campus in which that you're going to see the same people every day, all the day, every day, all day. If you're in a socially locked in situation, it is not savvy to be doing direct cold approach. Why? Because you're going to see the same people every day. You're going to develop a stigma for it and people are going to know you as that guy. Right? You need to be more socially savvy about it. What is the socially savvy way about it doing it is being indirect with direct energy and using what I call the net gets net effect, which I discussed more in that podcast on university slash college game. Uh, I think that's what I titled it back in the day, something like that, which basically just uses that, that you use your friendship circle and other girls and the people that you're interested in social circle to meet together because it's a social lubricant and it's easier to get a group of people out under the guise of a group of people out, net gets net effect. And then that gives you a chance to get one-on-one with that girl in the space that's been socially lubricated and you can progress sexual progression from there. But direct cold approach in college slash uni, not recommended if you're going to be seeing those people all day, every day. It's just not socially savvy because of the reputation. Okay. Right, my friends. That's it. That ends social Q&A live episode 69. Rock your cube on, on Can You Be Happy Without Sex? This has been a tremendous session. We've been through some scientific shit. We've been through three pages of notes here. Typed out. The first one's typed out, but mostly because I had to get his messages. They're mostly just uh, excerpts of his messages. And just some questions that I had to ask you guys, but you know, we went into one of the most inspirational rants we've done in a while on what it means to walk the path correctly of social dynamics, cold approach, the mentalities, not only the micros, but the mentalities of what it means to hold, feel, see, die with a woman in true connection and presence. And you guys did very well on the live chat. There was only one question that you guys all goofed on. The rest of you did very, very well. Uh, shout out to Will for his 100Ks any answer. And thank you to all of you that dropped super chats. Super chat questions were really good, actually. Three of them right there. So, guys, until next time, this was episode nine, I think, of season six. There's 12 episodes in a season before we take a break. So come back next week at 10 a.m. Australian Central Standard Time. We have now gone back an hour in Adelaide and in most states in Australia because of our daylight savings. So every Sunday night, which will be Saturday in the US and really, really early Sunday morning in, in the UK, on the YouTube bowl community post i put the time zones and the topic that's going to be covered on monday so you guys can always check that in the bowl community post and yeah i'll see you guys in the next session i thank you all if you haven't already just before you run out i'd really appreciate it if you drop a thumbs up on the video down below if you're listening to this and post on podcast land you had any big bigs had any big truths big learns big realizations come back drop them in the comment box down below i always respond to them and i really appreciate your feedback and we'll sign it out my friends i'm wishing you the absolute best in your lives As always, much peace and much joy. That was so good. That was so good. That was one of the best ones I've done in years. That was legitimate. Oh, man. You just know. You know when it's on. (laughs) Thank you very much for making it all the way through this session, for your presence and for your attention. If you actually made it to the end, that's... That's incredible because these sessions are often minimum two hours. And hey, you're my kind of person. If you got that kind of attention and commitment to your development, shit, 
<laughs> get excited by that. So before you run off, let me just hit you with a couple of reminders. If you haven't signed up to the Bowl Sip weekly email, it's free, bowldojo.com. Keep you updated over there. The best place to connect with me outside of these YouTube live sessions and podcasts is actually on Instagram at uitang1, double O-I-Tang-1. You guys can see all the behind the scenes. You can see I post a lot of fitness, health, all the artistic shit. If you watch the story, a lot of the meditations as well that I go through each day and each night. And uh, it's a great place to do DM me directly with your personal context to give me feedback on different sessions, different parts of this, etc. So... At Uitang1 on Instagram. I hope to see you there. I'd love to see you there. And of course, if you would like to help support the channel, you can donate directly through boldojo.com underneath the podcast section or at paypal.me forward slash A-D-A-M-O-O-I, Adamui. Anything that you guys donate is always super appreciated. And for those of you that would like to take your development to the very next level and make sure that you're on the right course, doing the right things at the right time, well, one-on-one Skype coaching or the guided meditation internal energy that's all available to you at boldojo.com listen guys the birds outside are going haywire so I better wrap up this outro it's the time of my life getting to go back and forward with you in these live sessions chopping it up getting to really know who you are and so I thank you so much again and I look forward to seeing you in the next session truly wishing you the absolute best in your lives much peace and much joy ciao